0: When I talk about being able to come up to the pulpit and preach after being led in the presence of God by this worship team, uh, the music selection, the anointing, all of those things, may we never take that for granted. We are blessed. Thank you guys for your ministry to us. Every week. Every week. In case you haven't noticed, Christmas is coming. It's coming. It's coming pretty quickly. But what what does Christmas mean? What is Christmas all about? What is it all about? We all know it's not about just Santa Claus and shopping malls and Christmas trees, which are gorgeous, and decorations. It's not just a day off from work or a week between Christmas and New Year's. It's not about snow or holly and mistletoe. It's not about just about Hallmark Christmas movies, or eggnog lattes, or turkey dinners. Christmas is more than family get-togethers, singing carols, attending special events, and exchanging gifts. It's, it's not even just about the last-minute rush, 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 rush shopping that we all participate in. Most of us that are here today, I'm sure, would, would believe and, and say that believe, Christmas is a celebration of an event an event. Joseph and Mary, the birth of Jesus in a, in a stable place in a manger, angels singing to shepherds. Christmas is about the adoration of Jesus by the shepherds and worshiping and gifts given to Jesus by the wise men. It's about people spreading the good news that a Savior had come to Israel. It was the Messiah, the promised Messiah that was born. And there are some great things that lead up to just this event, the main event. And when we understand the context of the lead up to these events, we discover a deeper understanding about what Christmas is all about, what Christmas is all about. We're going to look today at a prophecy, a prophecy by Mary, by Mary. Mary had just been informed by an angel from God that she was about to become the mother of the Messiah, the Son of God. It's not an exactly everyday occurrence, especially since she experienced the Immaculate Conception, conceived by the Holy Spirit. But who can she tell? That's the question. Who can she tell? Her parents would be upset. Joseph, as we know, was devastated by the news. She couldn't go on Facebook and post the happy announcement. But Mary had a friend, a confidant named Elizabeth. And that's where she went. And after she shared that story with, with Elizabeth, she spoke some words or maybe sang it. We're not sure. It's a, it's a prophecy about her child. And it would eventually become a song called a Magnificat. The, almost the entire song is made up of quotations from the Old Testament. And in light of Christmas, the coming Messiah, we see deeper meaning in these words. And these words help us understand what Christmas is all about. I want us to look at that prophecy today in Luke 1, 46 to 56, Luke 1, 46 to 56. It's on page 831 if you wanna look for it in the Bible in the rack in front of you. Also be on the projection. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent away the rich empty. He has helped his servants Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever. Even as he said to our fathers. Then it said, Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, then returned home. This is the before the events. So what does this tell us about what Christmas is about? First of all, Christmas is about being thankful, about being thankful. Thanksgiving just pours out of Mary's mouth and soul. She says, my soul glorifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Thankfulness expressed for in what God had done for her. That was the past tense, she's thankful also to look at the present tense, facing the unknown, the future. She had no idea what the future was going to hold for her. All she knew is that God had been good to her in the past, and she was thankful, and she knew by faith that she was going to thank God for her future in advance. Is being thankful part of Christmas? Yeah, it is, absolutely. I believe it's appropriate that our national holiday of Thanksgiving precedes and is so close to Christmas, perhaps to prepare our hearts for Christmas and an appropriate response to God and his, his gift. Thanksgiving is an attitude, it's a, it's a lifestyle. It's an approach to life, an approach to God, a lifestyle of thankfulness, a lifestyle of gratitude. I've shared about this story one other time. One person in my life that was the epitome of thankfulness was an elderly woman named Gertie. Her name was Gertie. Gertie was my grandmother's cousin. She was much like a, like a great aunt to us. Gertie lived in a Christian community in Minneapolis called Bethany Christian Fellowship. You're probably aware of it, being close to Minneapolis. She had never been married. She had no children. And earlier in her life, she and her sister had taken a dozens of orphaned children to take care of until they could be adopted. She wrote special poems about each child. And when she'd come and visit, she'd read those poems to us. Gertie lived all alone. All her possessions could fit in her one room. And some might say that life just passed Gertie by. We were living in southern Minnesota, and since our grandparents lived in Washington, Gertie became our surrogate grandmother for Thanksgiving and Christmas holidays. And one of the most amazing things about Gertie was her thankfulness. She was thankful for everything. She had practically nothing, but was grateful for every bit of it. Gertie stood in stark contrast of thankfulness in the commercial selfishness of the Christmas season. Christmas, what is it about being thankful? Past, present, and future. Being thankful to God for who he is and what he has done. And connected to thankfulness, I want to look at there in these texts, this text, thankful for God who he is, flowing from thankfulness, there are three things, three results. Mary expresses these, first of all, with joy, with joy. My spirit rejoices in God. You you can hear this vibrancy of joy coming from her. Out of thankfulness springs joy. Why is there so little joy in our world? Say, why is there, why is nobody happy? Everybody's grumpy, especially around Christmas. Why is there so little joy in our world? Because there's so little thankfulness. It's like we are owed everything. We take everything for granted. I'm owed a living, I'm owed a job, I'm owed happiness, I'm the victim here. And we wonder why everybody's so miserable. Why am I so miserable? Where's the joy? Where's the joy? Joy really springs from thankfulness. Um, One spring back in Seattle, Judy and I had the opportunity to attend a high school graduation of one of Seattle's alternative high schools. We were acquainted with some of the faculty and staff at the school and they invited us to come and be part of the graduation. So we attended the graduation. These were students who had overcome great obstacles and adversity just to get to high school, let alone getting a high school diploma. High school graduation, yeah, everybody takes it for granted. These families took nothing for granted. And talk about Thanksgiving and joy, exuberance. It was the wildest, most thankful, most joyful graduation ceremony I've ever seen, before or after. They were exuberant. They were on their feet clapping and it was amazing. Joy produced by what? Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving. Also connected to Thanksgiving is she talks about humility with humility. Humility and thankfulness go hand in hand. Thankfulness acknowledges my blessings come from outside of myself, it, it, it's dependence on someone else. For Mary, Mary was humbled, therefore thankful that God had favored her, even though she was just an ordinary teenager, the fiance of a carpenter. And she recognized that her specialness. Did not come from her abilities, her economic status, her physical beauty, or her ability to earn favor. Her specialness came from God. His favor. Our specialness, our value, does not come from what we do, what we earn, what we can do for God. God has placed value on you. On you. We should never deny our unique gifts or unique strengths or abilities, but acknowledge them as from God. God has placed every person in this place in a unique position with unique gifts. Romans 12, 3 through 5 says, For by the grace given me, say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. In other words, an accurate assessment of what God has entrusted to you. So just as each of us have one body with many members and these members do not have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all of the others. There's a sense of humility in that where we acknowledge that God has given us those gifts and we all belong to function in a body with one another. And to whom much is given, much is required. Humility is not denying our worth, value, or giftings. It's honestly assessing who we are, what we can do, and acknowledging that God gave them to us. God has given us gifts. One of the greatest examples of that uh, was yesterday. Okay, Um, Those of you ladies that were here, and there were some men too that were, uh, parking cars, valet parking. But it was a demonstration of the gifts of many people coming together to put on an event to communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ and invite people. We had the the decorators with Lisa and Loanne. Georgia, who probably spent a week beforehand just in the kitchen. I don't know how long she, she stayed. And she was here long hours, having to do with food. If it's food, it's Georgia, okay? Okay. Um, we had we had Christine helping with that. We had the the decorating team. We had the valet parking, and we had people that were willing to get involved in cleanup. That's the that's the least dramatic part. We had the music, where Karen sang this gorgeous song, and, and Brittany and Judy and, and the violin with with Addie Joe and just all kinds of music. It was it was a, it was a combination of gifts. People who did readings and did a reading at Christmas store. I, I just heard about it afterwards. I was in the other end of the building, wishing I could be. You know, I did get some food, but that's all. <laughs> the sampling of food. But she had, you know, the, the Valley parking. Greg, and and uh, Byron and and Dan and Mike. They were out there wearing hats and parking cars. It was it was a demonstration of the body of Christ coming together with many, many different gifts. It was incredible. And then the cleanup. Some were here for a long time, (laughs) just getting it ready. And then redecorating and putting things back to normal. Um, The what? Yeah, yeah. And the one who directed the whole thing and was our guest speaker, Cassandra Merrill. Awesome job. These These are parts, yes. These are God's gifts that God gives to people. And that's just one example of something that happened just yesterday. Third, connected thankfulness is blessing. Verse 48, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. The message says, I am the most fortunate woman on earth. It was not going to be easy for Mary. Pregnancy out of wedlock, giving birth in a cave. I'm sure her plan for her life would have been far different, a nice wedding, two kids, a couple goats and two donkeys in their stable. That would have been the dream back then. The pain of watching her son go through rejection, abuse and death. Mary's blessing was God's special design for her to be the mother of God's only son. And she was thankful. If we could choose to write our story, it might be far different. But God is the author, not you. In the same way, God has a special plan just for you. And you know what? It's not always easy. It's not always easy. Thankfulness says, I see God's hand in my life and circumstances. God has a plan. I will trust God and thank him for all of his blessings. Philippians 4, 4 through 6. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Life sometimes only makes sense when you look at it backwards, but you've got to live it forwards. So it happens. So what is Christmas about? Being thankful. That's the first part, being thankful. Next, Christmas is about praising God. Praising God. Mary praises God and begins to extol the person of God. Is Christmas about praise? Yes. It was through this coming historical event, God becoming one of us, that we can learn to know God and we can praise him. As we get to know him, we realize how great he is. Joan Osborne wrote a song that was played on top 40 radio stations all over the country. Secular song, non-Christian, not a person of faith. But she wrote a song entitled, What If God Were One of Us? What if God were one of us? And when they started playing that, I heard feedback from people all over the Seattle area. We got feedback. People so overcome by that thought that God could become one of us. They were pulling off to the side of the road as they were listening on the radio and they are weeping at the concept that God would become one of us. There's such a deep longing for God who knows and understands us and cares for us. What if God were one of us? He was and is. John 1:14 says the word God became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish, from the message, God took on flesh and became one of us. I can praise a God like that. The people of Israel had known God through what he had done, and we know God through what he has done. Look at creation. Now, men and women could get to know God personally through Jesus, through Jesus. That's what God is like. Jesus see, said, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, what do we praise God for? What do we praise Him for? First of all, for His power. Mary said, He has performed mighty deeds. Have you ever felt powerless? You ever felt powerless? Life seems out of control. You lack the power to control your circumstances, your job, your future, your kids, teenagers or two-year-olds. There's a comedian who included this, I'm going to quote him from his routine. He said, whenever your kids are out of control, you can take comfort from the thought that Even God's omnipotence did not extend to his kids. After creating heaven and earth, God created Adam and Eve. The first thing he said to them was, don't. Don't what? Adam replied. Don't eat the forbidden fruit. Forbidden fruit? Really? Where is it? It's over there, said God, wondering why he hadn't stopped with the making of the elephants. A few minutes later, God saw the kids having an apple break, and he was angry. "'Didn't I tell you not to eat that fruit?' "'The first pair of tasks? "'Uh-huh,' Adam replied. "'Then why did you?' "'I don't know,' Adam answered. "'God's punishment was that Adam and Eve "'should have children of their own. <laughs> "'Thus the pattern was set, and it's never changed. "'But there is reassurance in this story,' he says. "'If you have persistently and lovingly "'tried to give them wisdom and they haven't taken it, "'don't be hard on yourself.' If God had trouble handling children, what makes you think it would be a piece of cake for you? (laughs) Powerless. Just a little bit there. Powerless. Christmas is all about power. God's power exercised on behalf of his people. We are all broken people in a broken world, and we need power to cope, power to change, power to love, and power to wait. God's transformative person takes up Residence in us changes our nature and works supernaturally in us and through us. She said, God has done great things for me. Barry also praised God for his holiness. Said, holy is his name. What does the word holiness mean to you? We have a lot of different pictures of that. There's a story in Christianity today by John Kessler, about a young boy, John, who grew up in essentially unchurched. He had no church background at all. And he lived on a street where there are two churches, just down the street from his house. One is a Catholic church and one is a Baptist church. And the Catholic church had rules that if you weren't part of their faith, you were not allowed past the vestibule into the holy places of the church. The Baptist church had no such rules. You could go virtually anywhere, regardless of who you were. So John grew up thinking that one was holy and the other was not. Okay, But he later realized that the holiness of God was not about places on Earth or sacred altars and sanctuaries. Holiness was about a relationship with a person, the person of God. And even though God is perfect, we are not. He's way up there, separate from his creation. We're human. In the Old Testament, there was that kind of separation. But when Jesus came, he came to change our hearts, pay for our sins, and make us holy so that we can relate personally to this God of perfection and holiness. Holiness is about moral excellence or moral perfection, but it's far more than external acts. It's internal attitudes. Holiness is an expression of God's character through our thoughts, words, and deeds. When we praise God for his holiness, we begin to Understand how incredible it is that he has chosen us. Chosen to love us, to relate to us. And to give us his character. And change our lives. Becoming like Jesus. Praise God for his holiness. Mary also praise God for his mercy. His mercy. It says his mercy extends to those who fear him. There's a difference between grace and mercy. Grace is receiving what I didn't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what I do deserve. Let me say it again. Grace is receiving what I don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what I do deserve. Give me an example. You pay your employees a nice big Christmas bonus. They didn't earn it. They didn't do anything to gain it. You just are good and you just said, I'm just gonna give them a bonus, okay? Christmas bonus, that's grace, that's grace. Mercy's different. Mercy is you really messed up in your job and you deserve to be fired. And you didn't get fired, that's mercy. That's mercy. Not getting what you deserve is mercy. Grace is getting what we do not deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And God gave us both grace and mercy. What do we deserve from God? All of sin to fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. What does God give us? He gives us mercy. He sent Jesus to die for our sins, so we don't have to die for him. That's grace. That's that's mercy. Then in grace, he gives us eternal life. So Christmas is about being thankful. It's about praising God, as Mary writes. Christmas is also, number three, about life change. Life change. The word revolution comes to mind. Revolution can be peaceful. It can be violent. And the word tenses used by Mary imply that these changes are coming in the future. It happened in the past, but these are prophetic in the future. Christmas means revolution. It means life change. Now, she talks about three revolutions of God, three of them. The first one is a moral revolution. It says he scattered those who are proud in their inmost hearts. When humans are prideful, independent, they set up their own systems of, immor- of morality. So the results are what? Immorality. The proud exalt themselves and take no account of God. And the results are a godless culture, a secular culture that has no moral compass. And we see that today. People don't need God. Trying to get God out of any and everything. Truth, right and wrong become my opinion, my truth, my right. People who believe in God are viewed with contempt as ignorant fools. What Jesus brought... A moral revolution. Christmas. The coming of Jesus. A moral revolution. Life change. The second revolution is a social revolution. He 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 has brought down rulers from their thrones. (coughs) Excuse me. Jesus came in human form. Entered the human race. As a baby. Born in a cave. His parents were a carpenter and homemaker. They lived in Nazareth. Nazareth, the backwater town like Oliva. okay. Jesus served and lived and died. Jesus totally reversed the reality and greatness by serving. History is filled with people of faith who, through humility, sacrifice, and service—even martyrdom—brought social revolution. Where the Christmas story, the person of Jesus has come, social revolution has followed. This story and person produced the end of slavery in America, civil rights, social revolutions all over the world. And Christianity, Christmas is about social revolution. The third revolution is economic revolution. Verse 53 says, he has filled the hungry with good things when he sent the rich away empty. Christian values say, gain whatever you can so that you can give it away. So you can give it away. In the ancient world, it was accepted that the rich would be well cared for. The poor are just going to be expecting to be hungry and needy. Mary sings of a God that's not bound by what our culture says. God just flips everything upside down. Life changes. There's moral revolution, social revolution, economic revolution. And finally, Christmas is about, as Mary states it, it's about God's faithfulness. His faithfulness. 54 to 55 says, He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. God is engaged in making promises and fulfilling promises. Everything Mary is sung about is the outcome of the fact that God is true to his promises, he's faithful, he fulfills his promises. God always comes through. Faithfulness. Christmas may not be a time of joy for you right now. You may be facing it with fear and dread. For some, Christmas comes as a pylon of just more financial stress, more relationship issues, memories that are not positive, of Christmas times past. And maybe you can't right now imagine how Christmas can make a positive difference. In your life. Well Christmas can't. But Jesus can. Amen. Jesus can. So what is Christmas about? About being thankful. About praising God. About life change. And about God's faithfulness. And ultimately John 1.10-12 says. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him. The world did not recognize him. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what Christmas is about. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you took a teenage girl and you... Decided to use her in an enormous way, an amazing way. And she gave this prophecy that even carries out today. And I pray, God, that as we look at this season, we will look at it in light of this prophecy given by Mary. And we thank you in Jesus' name.